Force my friends is violence, the supreme authority from which all other authority is derived. And you know, there is something very important we need to do as soon as possible. Don't you blame the movies? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos for creative. Hello and welcome. This is the Parents Guide Podcast, a podcast where we talk about sex and violence in movies. Uh, this is season one, where we'll be discussing movies from the 1990s exclusively. And today we're going to look at a movie from 1995 called Mighty Aphrodite by Woody Allen. Full disclosure, before we get really into it, this is the first episode I'm actually recording since I've started releasing the podcast. All the other episodes have been recorded um, before I actually knew how, how the episodes will, will turn out and how people will receive them. So I have a kind of better idea where to go and what to do. And I have received some feedback, which I will try to incorporate in this episode. But as always, I have a guest today. Uh, his name is uh, Sam Meltzer, who I been introduced to you through uh, Gordon, who has also been on the podcast as well. And well, we will be discussing this movie today. Hello, Sam. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Well, I'm kind of excited because of your choice, because uh, again, the guests always pick the, the movies. You picked Mighty Aphrodite, a movie I hadn't thought about much uh, ever since I've seen it first, uh, which we will get into in a, in a moment. And I really wanted to, this movie uh, here because it's an, a bit of an unusual choice. It's not a movie where you think of um, sex and especially violence in these regards. Uh, but but we'll see what we, we'll have to discuss. I, I, I think there's still a lot of to, to discuss anyway, even if it's not an obvious choice and I like non-obvious choices. But before we get into it, I want to ask you the question I'm asking every guest, uh, which is uh, since this is about sex and violence in movies and it's uh, the idea of the, the parent's guide, uh, which is supposed to keep children from being disturbed by movies. What is a movie that comes to your mind that has disturbed you when you were younger or as a child? There are a lot. I mean, maybe not when I was super young, but when I was like 13, 14, my sister and I found pink flamingos online. Oh, wow. <laughs> I kind of knew what it was before, but it was a really unique experience. <laughs> but when I was really young, my sister, when I was like, when my sister and I would watch movies together when I was like seven, I think. We, we had the DVD of Jaws and she would just keep repeating the first scene over and over and over again of Jaws. And I would just get terrified, but she'd keep playing it over and over again because she liked it so much. That would always scare me. The soul how, how old is your sister or how, how much older was your sister? My sister is three years older than me. Okay, okay. So that and then like the Soul Surfer movie that she showed me. A lot of it is from my sister showing me. And then when I was like really younger, when I first watched E.T., the first scene in the field always scared me a lot. I think Pink Flamingos is my most unique answer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Even if you were older. I mean, I watched this movie for the first time this or last year, and I found it uh, disturbing still. Um, so I can imagine or I can actually not imagine how it must have felt to watch this at, at a young age. Well, I, I think John Waters is brilliant. In general, I think he's very talented and just radical in all the best ways. I think I think Pink Flamingos is so like, I don't know, even know if I, I can describe it as good or bad. It's just such such an experience. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't like all of his films as far as I've seen, but radical and unique experience definitely is a description that is is fitting. Uh, you never know, really know what you get into. But yeah, what, he's quite a unique filmmaker. That's that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Or almost, we, we almost have to say was because he's not really making movies anymore. He's going to make point. a new one, I think, in two years. He's set to direct a new film. And I was very excited to hear that. Well, but of course, maybe, you know, like when filmmakers talk about movies, they will direct in a couple of years. It's never that sure if it actually will work out. Like people, directors have announced movies for years and years without ever coming to fruition. So you never know. But at least that means he's still, uh, well, productive. And, and of course, the other example, Jaws, is, is my and number one example for a movie that disturbed me more than any any other movie uh, in, in my childhood. So I can understand that quite well. Okay, good. Uh, thanks for your answer. Uh, it's always it's it's kind of a personal question, but it's always interesting which answers you get, and there are always new surprises because everyone has movies they they found disturbing in one way or another, and uh, it's never not always the obvious choices. And I, I mean again, ET. I, I showed ET to my my daughter a couple of years ago. I tried to, and she wanted me to turn it off because she found it too scary. Um, so I do understand that. There you go. It's always that first scene where you see him. E.T. is a very intense movie. I, I think that's something that we don't talk about that much. Like, it's it's so remembered as this, uh, in a way, cute uh, movie with, uh, like, those fantasy images. But it's actually quite intense. Yeah, it definitely is. Okay, uh, let's get to the movie that is less intense, I would argue, which is our movie for today, uh, Mighty Aphrodite by Woody Allen. Again, uh, it's from 1995. It is, uh, well, it's a Woody Allen movie. Let, let me ask you, before we, before we get into it, why did you pick this movie? So I've calmed down now, but I love the Oscars. Well, I love learning about the Oscars. I don't love <laughs> the Oscars. And in like through 2020, especially because of quarantine, we all had the most time in the world. And up until like just a couple months ago, I really was like set on this goal of like watching so many Oscar nominated movies and performances and just knocking them all out. So I've seen, I think, all performances that have ever won an Oscar, except for like 10 or something. Like there's a very low wow. number. I've seen all of like the, the actress winners, at least. And this was like amongst that group. Woody Allen directed a shocking number of people to Oscars and movies that got mm-hmm. nominated. He always got into the screenplay categories, always. And, you know, before I watched it, all I knew is that it was described as a sex comedy, which mm-hmm. is a term that I find to be quite loose. It never really seems to have a specific pudding with what it's what it is. No one really knows how to define it specifically. You can define so many things as a sex comedy, but this film doesn't really have much sex in it, mm-hmm. if any at all. It has a lot of innuendo. And it has a lot of sexual jokes and characters that are sexually mm-hmm. motivated, but not necessarily sex itself. And having that become having that as a description to me before watching it was not, I don't know if it wasn't good, but it was definitely not what I got in a way. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that Mira Sorvino, um, you know, plays the hooker in this movie and Alan writes like a, I'd say a three-dimensional layered character for her was rare, especially for those characters. I mean, I have a lot of issues with Pretty Woman. I do not like that film at all. I know half of America disagrees with me. 
And I know half of America hates the fact that I don't think Julia Roberts was well cast in that movie. I don't care. This movie kind of does that, but better. Hmm. I know that's like a weird opinion because they're different in tone, but I don't know. I mean, that's well, part of it. I mean, that's a good choice, especially for, for this podcast, because we, we will discuss uh, everything related to sex uh, in this movie. I'm not the biggest fan of Pretty Woman as well. Uh, I, I only wish half of America would listen to this podcast. so that They could disagree with us. They probably won't. I can already say I'm also not the biggest fan of Mighty Aphrodite. I have seen my history with this movie is that I watched it when it came out in 1995 in cinema. And I was I was quite a big of a Woody Allen fan. And I mean, Woody Allen has a movie out every year. This was actually the first movie of his that I watched in cinema. Uh, and I, I saw a couple of his other movies afterwards. And um, even back then, I found it was okay. I, I don't remember if I watched it before or after the Oscar win. That's possible because movies in Germany come out late sometimes. So I, I was like, oh, yeah, it's an okay movie. On my rewatch, uh, my opinions have changed a little bit. Um, and I do want to discuss a little bit of, well, the Woody Allen problem. Not not too much. I don't want to focus too much there on it. There are a lot of Woody Allen problems. <laughs> but I think this movie makes us, or forces us to discuss some of these issues because of the, what it depicts, how it depicts it, uh, what, what, it, what it's dealing with, uh, especially at the time when it came out. Like the, the whole Woody Allen scandal started in 1992 with uh, with uh, uh, Sunni and, uh, and and Mia Farrow and all of that stuff. And I, I just remembering that I read it up again today, thinking about that this movie came out three years after this big scandal. Like it's really not that that long afterwards. Like people still had these issues on their minds when when this movie came out, which didn't stop Woody Allen from having lots of success with his movies. Like as you said. This movie won an Oscar. The movie before Bullets Over Broadway uh, got a, a lot of awards uh, recognition. And the movies afterwards did too. So it did not really stop anything in his career. And even the... And Husbands the, and Wives came out in 1992. Of and course. That for awards as well. So it was clear that Hollywood wasn't yeah. really caring about his issue. Yeah. Well, but I, I'm sure we can, we we will probably discuss some of these issues in, in uh, regards to this movie, because again, I think there are actually some, some connections that I had not thought about in 1995, but thought about now uh, in this movie. Um, one thing I got feedback on is that I should add a description of the movie for people who listen to this episode without having seen the movie. I know some people do that. So Mighty Aphrodite is about Woody Allen plays, well, the version of himself that he plays in almost all of his movies. This time he's called Lenny. And he and his wife, Amanda, played by Helena Bonham Carter, adopt a baby. And he finds out later on, because he's obsessed with finding out the origins of his child, that it's actually uh, the son of a prostitute played by Mira Sovino. And then he, um, he finds her and meets with her and is shocked that she's a prostitute and, well, I don't want to spoil too much, uh, which is nonsense, because we will probably spoil everything once we discuss the movie. Uh, but if you think now, oh, wait, I have to watch this movie first and uh, do that now and then keep listening. But that's basically the idea. Woody Allen figures out uh, his son's mother is a prostitute. That's that's basically the idea uh, of this film. We always start, or I always, always want to start with the ratings, because uh, we talk about uh, The Parents Guy, we talk about ratings. This movie was rated R, and as always, I want to read out the MPAA um, description, why this movie is rated R. And it is rated R for language and sex-related material. 
which is a term I have not seen in any of the other movies I, I've looked at so far, sex-related material. What do you say to that description? Fair. I don't even know if I'd go for an R rating. I, I know that they do say fuck five times, according to IMDb, and technically, like, according to the AMPA system, that warrants an R rating. But in reality, I don't know why it's really gone that i mean i kind of get it again like the like the f-bombs sure and the fact that the way mira sorvino's house is is decorated Mm -hmm. um and and the innuendo and the references but honestly it could be rated pg-13 i don't know how much of a difference that would have made i think it would have i think it would make sense too you know do you see what i'm saying like it it isn't at all no 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 not at all I mean, the, the description, language and sex-related material is basically the same because all the sex-related material is language in this movie. They talk about sex a lot and uh, different ways and so on. Um, and the way the MPAA deals with language, I think it has to have an R. I, they can't like it. Would yeah, you quote exactly. it? Is the parent's guide on this movie, which says five uh, five fucks, uh, five F-bombs, as, as they say. But I mean, the movie has more sex-related language and explicit language than that. Uh, the Parents' Guide is actually not very explicit in, in, in on this movie. According to the MPAA rules, that, that, that generates an R. If you look at other countries, like in Germany, this was rated 12. In uh, many other countries, it was rated uh, 13 or 15. Like, this is not a, a hard-rated movie in any way. It's like Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot is only rated R because they curse. There's nothing in that movie that's sexual. Yes, or exactly. It's, it's- light in that sense it's, it's interesting that this has like the same rating as a clockwork orange or something yes. like it's weird that they're rated the same thing because it's so different in in what warranted that rating and then again and again we will get into that this must be one of the most explicit woody allen movies concerning sex dialogue like with the most descriptions of sex acts and, and so on and so on but we'll get into that so that's just for a start. It is rated R for a really, in a way, really innocent movie. Yeah. Yeah. That, that just has thematically is connected to sex in, in many ways. And sex is discussed, but like it, it's not a it's not an offensive movie or an explicit movie in any any shape or form. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll get into it. And because I want to stick to my structure, uh, we do start with violence. And I know that that's not a big spoiler. There is not really much violence in this movie. Uh, but I still want to ask you what I ask everyone. Like, what would you say is the most violent scene in this movie? Um, <laughs> I, there isn't any guns. No. Is there a scene where they're cooking and they use a knife? Like, <laughs> like no, I don't think so. So the most violent thing in this movie, like, is not even what happens in the movie. It's just like this happens to me every time people have a baby in a movie. It's like I'm scared that they're gonna drop it or that like something is gonna happen. <laughs> to me. And like when they first have the baby, it's like the fear of that. That's like mm-hmm. the most violent thing. It didn't even happen in the movie. There's nothing in this movie. Okay. That's Maybe in the backdrop while they're walking down the street, there's a gang or something. Maybe. But who knows? There, I, I really can't remember anything. Okay, that's that's fair. Like, this is not a violent movie. The Parents' Guide on IMDb lists just nothing under violence and gore. Um, so there's no explicit violence. I do have two moments, though, that I want to discuss, uh, one more than the other, that featured some kind of violence. Uh, the first is where we actually see at least a threat of violence is when Woody Allen uh, meets the uh, Mir Savino's pimp and tries mm-hmm. to talk to him. And then he, like... 
uh, grabs him and is about to beat him up and Woody Allen is, is scared uh, or Lenny I, I can't just say Woody Allen because there's no difference between him and and this character he says uh, he's really afraid that he will be beaten up and when he talks to his uh, this uh, imaginary uh, Greek uh, chorus member he says he will put me in 27 different mason jars so there is a, a threat of violence in this scene at least and he is like not defending himself at all but that is like the most violent moment that we actually see in this movie and nothing even comes out of it so no it's like... no nothing like he grabs him by the collar like five times and that's it and, and that's like all that happens thing yeah it's like slapsticky, and then it's just like nothing comes out of it yes the other moment though I do find interesting, uh, and it is, it, it, again, it's nothing depicted. So Woody Allen tries to hook up Mira Sorvino with uh, Michael Rappaport uh, because he thinks um, they would be a good couple. And But when Michael Rappaport finds out that she is a prostitute, he gets really upset and he tells Woody Allen, well, I got really angry and I hit her. Hmm. And Woody Allen says, you hit her? And he says, yeah, a little bit. I flew off the handle. Christ, I thought you were a broad-minded guy. I mean, I came over here and she confessed to everything. And then and, and I, and I hit her. You hit her? You hit... I was going to break your neck, man. Oh, I don't believe this. I don't you believe this. You hit her? Oh, a little bit. And when he talks to Mirzovino later, she says, yeah, he hit me. And, that, and then that, no one ever talks about it ever again. And I found that odd and fascinating that this is how... Like he he hits her because she's a prostitute, and the movie never really deals with that fact. Maybe it was like a slap, like. But even then, it's just yes. it was <laughs> so insignificant to the story, and it's not even shown. So ultimately, it doesn't matter. Like that could have been completely taken out of the movie, and it well, would but... be the same movie. <laughs> It's there, but I think considering like the just the idea of 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 like a woman being being hit no matter how hard just because she's a prostitute and the movie is just like oh well another funny thing that happens between all these people is like one man hits a woman I I found that a bit you know I I think you couldn't have a scene like this nowadays or just a a, a bit of dialogue like that nowadays not at all again I was I I, I don't want to say shocked I don't want to want to exaggerate but I was like oh well, interesting how this is just shrugged off like oh well he hit her so what that's definitely a 90s 80s approach like and the second the 2000s come around like that doesn't happen anymore no and it's I mean you said it could have been taken out of the movie yeah but I mean the the whole situation uh connected to that would not have changed if he had not said that, right? It, it, everything would be exactly the same without this idea that he hit her. And we were supposed right. to think that he's like an, a rather innocent guy. He's a boxer. So when you say maybe he just slapped her, right? We see earlier that he is a boxer. So the idea right. of him hitting her, who knows how bad this could have been. I mean, if it was really terrible, maybe she'd have a mark or something. But it doesn't no. seem like ultimately that hurt by it. Yeah, even she doesn't seem to care that much. So and, and there's a... it was probably a slap. It, nothing here strikes me that it was some intense beat up moment that she had. If I just I feel like it had to be insignificant enough. Well, again, I I would say no no uh, no form of violence for for no reason is too insignificant. And he I mean she admits it right. She says yeah yeah he hit me. And and everyone's like yeah yeah well that happens as if it's a normal thing. And again I, I would argue that even if it was I I'm doing quotation marks here just a slap it's still something uh, yeah. that is an, an odd choice of violence for no reason whatsoever just to express his anger. 
Uh, and the way I think the way it's shrugged off, it almost seems as if it's justified, as if it's okay. Like it's it's okay. That could could happen, you know. Uh, and I think that undermines the entire relationship between her and that guy. It's just it, their whole relationship feels very underdeveloped. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of my problem with this movie is that uh, because, I mean, you said that earlier that you think the Mira Savino character is three-dimensional. I'm not entirely sure. But the idea between these two people is that Lenny uh, Woody Allen thinks, well, she's a bit stupid. He's a bit stupid. They make a perfect match. And that's about it, right? That That's their relationship. I mean, it doesn't work out at least. But no one says it doesn't work out because he hit her. It just doesn't work out because he can't accept her. And that's why I feel it's underdeveloped. And yeah. I understand that you have this Pygmalion dynamic like mm -hmm. that's that's a common thing on film where you have one character usually a man and one character mm -hmm. usually a woman and she is quote-unquote less than he is in some regard and he teaches her how to be better or more of this or that and that's why I brought up Pretty Woman because that also mm -hmm. is inspired by Pygmalion. You have like the original Pygmalion movie, you have stuff like My Fair Lady, even The King's Speech, which is like maybe the only example of like it not being between a man and a woman, but that's mm -hmm. also a true story. So it's like it it really, it really is this is fascinating, like gender related situation. But with this, I mean you have that between him and, and Mira Servino, and then it's like she goes on all these dates with this guy. But I don't know that 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 aspect of the movie, I think, is a little toned down. It's a little too mellow. It isn't that funny. I think she's really good. I think she has a very like mm -hmm. bright and present like screen energy. I think she has really good comedic timing. I, I love the whole like persona she puts on. I think she's very funny. And it's definitely, like, the dumb blonde that actually isn't dumb. You know what I mean? Like, you have that trope in some films, and I think mm -hmm. it works better here than in others. But I think, ultimately, Alan's story doesn't benefit her. No. Because she is a great actress. And this is a great performance, I think. Yes. Yeah, and I would you agree. you have a character that has so much potential... But ultimately, her character arc doesn't feel like it lands. Well, I mean, her character arc, in a way, we have moved away from violence already, but I mean, it's connected to this whole situation with the Michael Rapport character. Like, I, this whole relationship is basically only to stretch out the third act, right? I, like, the, the movie is in a way over already, and then he's introducing this new character so that a lot something else is happening, but this doesn't work out. And then we get this final moment where she's like, where she meets this this rich guy who just marries her, and it's it's again it's this idea which she just needs a man like Woody Allen tries to teach her something. I, I would say the movie doesn't show that he actually teaches her anything. Michael Rappaport's character uh, is nice to her until he finds out she's a prostitute and hits her, and it's over. And then she finds this rich guy, and that's it. Like she she doesn't really have any initiative by herself. She is just this character who's passed around and just needs the right man, like moving from the pimp to the the rich, uh, nice man who can make her a real baby again. And, I mean, that's her arc in a way. And there's not really development in her. All we do is that we see is that she's not just stupid. She is also like nice. Like, it's not like we find out that she's that she's intelligent or anything. We just see there's a little bit more than just her, the, the, the 100,000 stupid sex jokes that uh, Ellen puts in her mouth, which we will have to get into uh, next. Um, 
but like she doesn't have an arc i i, I don't think and no, still she manages to do I, it. I mean, like it, it, it kind of wants to go there but ultimately yeah. it doesn't land yeah and then to, just to finish this that part on violence i think it is still i don't know i, I don't want to say offensive but it seems odd to end this whole thing with this little violence just to say oh well he hit her well then that no then it's over that's the only way to end the situation and the because way that he says well i, I just hit away yeah they had to find a way to have her conclusion positively and positively but not stay with this guy in any way or yeah. stay with that character and then we see him later, right? There are some final, there's like a montage at the end where we see everyone and he's just like, he has some other girlfriend. He's waving at the camera, nice and 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 silly. And it's like, again, the movie already has forgotten that he he became violent for for no reason. Like no one really cares. Like, and, and that's what I find odd. Anyway, uh, but that's really all you can say about violence in this movie. Like this movie has no violence uh, in, in, in any yeah. real form, which is different from all the other movies I have discussed so far, which um, mostly features sex and violence in, in one way or another. Then let's move on to uh, to the sex part right away. And I will ask the same question, which is also not easy to answer, I would say, but what is the most like sexual moment in this movie? Well, you do have a couple scenes where Helena Bonham Carter and Woody Allen make out and, and Mira Sorvino and him make out. They mm -hmm. never undress. I mean, you do have the first moment between... Mira and Woody, where she thinks he's there like for a hookup session, but he's really just there to obviously find out more about his son's mom. And you, she's like, oh, pull the string on the thing. And, and, and she's like slowly undressing, but you never really see her naked in any way. Mm -hmm. There's never an actual sex scene. Most of it's implied or like talk, talking about sex, but like in terms of physically, it's it's mostly just making out. No, uh, I do want to talk about uh, the scenes you mentioned, but there is a, um, a moment in the film where you do actually get a little bit of nudity, uh, which you could you could blink and miss it easily. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I missed it. Um, I, I, when I rewatched the movie, I, I missed it too, and then I read it up somewhere, and I thought, oh yeah, right. It's again, it's the same moment. It's when Michael Rappaport tells him that he was at a party with friends, and then they put on a porn movie, and then he saw Mira Sorvino in this movie, and it, it takes like it's just a couple of seconds, and we see a flashback of that scene, and then we see a part of the movie, like really just a quick moment, like really like two seconds, and there's Mira Sorvino in bed with another woman, and you see the woman's breasts. I found that odd as well because it's so not necessary to include that scene at all. Like everything else is just told in dialogue without any flashbacks. And only that quick moment at the party, this quick moment of the porn movie is shown. I don't know why. I mean, it's funny because you say this about the sex, the actual like sex in the movie, yeah. which is a lesbian porn movie that yeah. presumably made and you see it for two seconds. And then like the violence is the knowledge that he hit her but what we're getting at is that these two parts of the movie are so insignificant they're not necessary to the plot or the characterization in any way and i think that's what you're getting at it's like it's like what what is the need for including both of these moments yes um, in reality like this isn't this movie isn't sexy or violent no it's not it's not and the difference uh, compared to the violence part, this is really just a line of dialogue. We don't see anything. <clears throat> he could have left it out. He, he, he left it in. It doesn't really matter. 
But they had to film this moment, this porn movie moment, and put it on the TV, on this party. And again, you don't need it. We know she's a prostitute. We know she has acted in porn movies. We know all of that already. Like, there's no need to have a flashback to him having the realization, oh, that's her, and to show some woman showing her breasts. Like, it's so unnecessary to film that, to do all of that. For, for really, I really don't understand why. I can't understand why either. I don't think I have any, any more or less of an explanation than you do. And I mean, it's not like Woody Allen features nudity in his movies at all. Like Ever. most of his movies feature no nudity whatsoever. And that's why I found it so strange that we have this short moment, like like behind three layers of narration, like he tells it in a flashback and he sees something on TV uh, and then you you just see some breasts for, again, for, for no yeah, reason. I, I didn't don't even know. remember that. Yeah, exactly. I missed it when I rewatched it as well, which makes it even more wonder. Like, why is it even there? Why, why did he go all this length? Maybe, maybe thought if this is a movie where I have more sex dialogue than in any of my other movies, like so much explicit sex dialogue. Maybe I, I also can can show something. I don't know. I really don't understand, but I found it odd. Woody and Allen doesn't have sex scenes, really. Not really. No. What he does have is like what we have in this movie, which you mentioned, unsuccessful sex scenes. People trying to sleep with each other and it doesn't work out, and you just see like the aftermath where where nothing yeah. really happens. Um, or you which is making out, and then it cuts to the next scene. Yeah, to imply that there was sex, which is also what we get here. Mm -hmm. We get all of that here, like we get the before, we get the aftermath, uh, uh, but we don't really see anything. And this is not what Woody Allen is known for. Okay, but let's talk about the, the some of these other moments. Uh, may, maybe I think because I think if if I would say the most sexual moment, I think this is the moment where he comes to her apartment for the first time. And she keeps trying because she thinks he's a customer, like he wants to pay for sex. She keeps trying to seduce him again and again and again. And it goes on for a very, very long time. I, I felt this scene goes on forever. And it's it's both. It's the like that the whole apartment is decorated with silly sex stuff, which is probably I the sex. That was so funny. The pig clock where it's <laughs> yeah. this clock and it's just two pigs humping each other. And then yes. in, the, in her fish tank, there's like mm -hmm. a dick that bubbles come out of. I thought that was really funny. I think I, I found it more funny in 1995 than I found, found it funny now. Um, and of course, I don't want to uh, jump on the um, authenticity a wagon or anything, but I do wonder, is her, apart her apartment decorated this way because she likes this stuff? Or is it because that's where she does her business and she thinks that's what men who come to have sex there like? I have no idea. Or most likely answer, is that just Woody Allen thinking, okay, let's put everything in here that is sex related and funny and do this very, very long scene with all the, the sex innuendo and sex jokes and just showing like, the, oh, look at this woman, the, the stuff that she likes. She likes uh, like pigs having sex and so on and so on. All of that stuff. And That's I definitely a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the whole scene when she again tries to seduce him. What I did find interesting, but besides the fact that she, again, the movie does that all the time. It mentioned sex acts and, and Woody Allen, Lenny is always like, oh, well, this and this. And he's always like, like a bit of a shame that people even talk about that because he doesn't talk that way, uh, which, it, which is fascinating, of course, because Woody Allen wrote all of this in this movie. Right. And he normally does not talk this way. And his other movies don't feature dialogue like that. And like everything is discussed here. Right. I mean, the, the first time we hear about uh, Mira Savina's character, he he realized that her her actress name is Julie Cum. Yeah. <laughs> like of jokes course. like that. The movie is full of those jokes. Right. Which which is like a lot of sex language. And it's which is sexually unusual. related language. It's not even sex language. It's just it's so 
it, it is a little teenagey humor. Like yes. Middle school humor. I, I, I think it's I think that's why it kind of should be rated PG thirteen. You know. What yes. I mean? I mean, most of it is Mira Savino describing the things she has done in the past or has done with customers, and she just talks about that like nonchalantly. And and the the joke, of course, is that she talks about that as if it's nothing. And Woody Allen's character has never talked about stuff like that in his life. And she just talks about it on and on and on. And he just goes, uh-huh, really? Oh, really? Oh, have you done that? Oh, okay, okay. And he's just kind of shocked all the time, which is funny. It's also, I think, a, a joke that is repeated, like, I don't know, 30 times in, in this movie. Like, this is like the one idea he has that they, she talks about sex explicitly and he he does not and just goes on and on and on. And what's interesting in that scene is that she really tries to seduce him. Like, she she cannot stop, even though he explains that he doesn't want sex and she doesn't stop. But the way he acts, he's like, I don't want to say like a child, but like a teenager, like the way he reacts to her seduction. Yeah. He's like, he's like smiling and laughing and he's blushing. That isn't really surprising given who he is. Yeah, it's it's really typical for him. And I, I think that's something that happens in many of his movies when it's about sex and he plays his character that the men are often like not taking something, but are like, oh, kind of ashamed that, that sex is even an issue and that they have to do it now. This whole thing, I, I just found it odd. And then I, I just couldn't stop thinking about Woody Allen and the allegations and everything. And then seeing him in like this innocent little teenager who has to fight against someone wanting to have sex with him. I mean, he does a lot of this to please himself because in a lot of his films, you'll see that he's, I don't think Woody Allen is an attractive person. Like, I mean, who, what? Do you, like, who would, right? He's not, right? He's now now right. you really shocked the audience if by saying that. But the thing is, I, I maybe a part of his humor is that in all of these, there is a self-critical aspect where he plays all of these men. Mm. And I recently saw, um, what's it called? Broadway Danny Rose. Have you seen that film? Uh, I, I must have. I, I think I saw almost all of his okay. movies. It's from the 80s, if I remember. Yeah. Uh, so basically what there's a scene in that movie where Mia Farrow's <laughs> character and him are talking and 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 they're clearly flirting and and she's basically like oh i don't really i don't really care if you're handsome i'm i'm not into handsome guys like who says that who <laughs> actually says that that's just it's clearly all of this to like make his characters look like the greatest hunk of the world which is a way of self criticism and humor that i think is aware i mean it, you see this in this movie too where you have two women who are attracted to him whether they're at the same time, different times, whatnot. And they're clearly all over him. But it's like, these two women are so much better than you that you are not <laughs> at their level in any way. I don't know. And you're not even trying. Like No, he's, he's so lazy. Like, if I think of Woody Allen, like, if you think of Any Hall, his most famous movie, I think there he actually makes a point of that. Because there, the, the Diane Keaton character actually is three-dimensional and points out his, his issues. And I think over the years, he kind of got lost when it comes to that and just played the same thing where, where you have this relatively stupid female characters who fall for men for the wrong or whatever reasons. And this movie is an example of that. Like when they finally have sex, Mira Savina and Woody Allen, it, 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 it again, it is not necessary to the plot. It it does have like this consequence in the end when there's like this implication that he actually made her pregnant. But that's all about it, right? There's no reason for her to really have sex with him. No, but I do think that the ending is very clever for that reason. I think it is funny that they have each other's children and that they don't yes. know it. I thought that was pretty clever. 
it's it, it fits to the kind of cute humor this movie tries to get into, like uh, and the the whole. And that's definitely course, the most successful it is in that regard. I would say. Probably, yeah. I I didn't mind that. I I thought it was. Oh, I I thought that was okay. This this whole ending because also like he never tells her that he only looked her up to, because she is the mother of his baby, right? He never ever tells her about that. And she didn't tell him that he's the one who impregnated her. Well, at least we don't know that. Right. I mean, right? it's, it's very it's... likely. And there is a difference, of course, because he is lying to her like for, for weeks and months, right? He never tells her the truth why he's with her and why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. Or that she could meet her son, right? He also, also not telling her that. Like, I think there's a level of deceit in a way in what he's doing for his own sake, which is not comparable to what she is maybe doing if that is really his kid. We don't know if she's aware of that. And and even then, it would be completely fair that she doesn't tell him, considering what he has done to her. But I thought it was made clear that she does know, and that she isn't going to tell him. I mean, we 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 are supposed to think that in that final scene that they both know something. But then I thought again, it's not on the same level because she she does not know that he has her kid. Mm -hmm. He never tells her that. And but she that does tell him that she yes. Gave birth. Yes, yeah, I, I think this implication is clear that he's supposed to think, oh, this could be my kid. But again, it's not on the same level. Like, the, the, this is not balance in, no. in any way. And, and I mean, she still has to live with this 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 lack of knowledge what has happened to her first kid, which mm -hmm. he could provide her with. Like, you could say, hey, by the way, I have your kid. He's fine. I'm taking care of him, right? She still doesn't know that. And there's no reason for him not to tell her, except for saving his ass, <laughs> Basically, or because he's creating that gag at the end of the movie. That's yeah. the real. Again, I don't want to be overly critical, but I do think the the difference between uh, what what men are getting away with in this movie and what women have to deal with in this movie is just, and it's not atypical for Woody Allen. I think again, as I pointed out before, I think he was different in, in his earlier movies and his seventies movies, and then it has changed a little bit. And I can imagine that his bitterness towards what happened with Mia Farrow and everything has an influence in the way he he wrote women later on. I mean, again, the, the Jennifer Tilly character in Bullets Over Broadway is another example of a, a, a female with a strange voice who's not that intelligent and, and, and then is actually even killed off. And then in his next movie, there is a woman with a strange uh, voice who is not that intelligent. Uh, like the, there's a kind of pattern here that we see that cannot be missed completely. Yeah, and then it gets even worse later on with Vicky Cristina Barcelona. I oh, would yes. say. I yeah, mean, he in that movie himself. Thank God. But that film, I, I don't remember it well. I have to argue, uh, admit. But but yeah. Uh, I would even go as far and say Blue Jasmine is another example of that. A movie I did not like. Because I think the way he treats the <clears throat> Kate Blanchett character is, is kind of like, I don't know. I think he's looking down on a lot of his female characters and finds them annoying. I like Blue Jasmine. I, I think that her, that character, like her awfulness is like meant to be funny. And also yeah. maybe Kate <laughs> Of course, that's what I mean. Act, yeah. Well, I, I'm not Blanchett, saying anything against the performance. The performance is great. No, but as an actress, she's so sympathetic. Like, it's so hard not to like her in general that I think that often that can conflict with the character she's playing, especially in Tar. Of course, um, which, but 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 all but, I'm talking about is is the way Alan writes these characters, right? That Kate Blanchett manages to 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 pull that performance off is is a different thing. And and, and again, Mira Sovino too, and Jennifer Tilly too. Like, he finds actresses who really 
elevate his material and Diane just to Weiss also she's hmm? in so, Diane Weiss is in so many Woody Allen oh, yes. films characters she plays aren't always smart or well-rounded but she makes them come off that way yes and I think she's so talented and and what we say about the characters again even the Mira Savino character she she at least gets a lot of funny lines like she she's someone we will remember which is not something you can say of the other female character in this movie which is the one played by Helena Bonham Carter yeah I I know she was such a dud which sucks because like, she's such a good actress I mean, you th that's kind of an achievement to get Helena Bonham Carter to play a character that is so unimportant and boring and annoying. And like her, she again, she has no arc. She's annoyed by Woody Allen and bored by her life. But we are, again, the way this movie treats her is that we are supposed to find her annoying. Like the way she did, cares about new apartments and new lifestyle and all that stuff. And he's like, oh, this again and this again. And again, like we talked about before, all I got away with, uh, got away with, was like, oh, he's such a boring person. Of course, she wants something else, and all she gets is horny Peter Weller. But the thing is, in the beginning, there's no reason to lead you lead you to believe that he actually deserves someone better. There's no no evidence of that either. So you're yeah, left but... with kind of dry period of time where you have these this married couple who is just so uninteresting, and. Mira Sorvino, like, it's clear that the movie, like, builds up to the first time you see this character. It's, it's clear yes. that it builds up to, to revolve around her. Because without this character, this movie wouldn't be anything, obviously. It, it's so focused on her. And there's a reason why she's the only thing people remember about it. Like, I, I mean, did you even remember that Helena Bonham Carter was in this movie no. before we watched Exactly. No. I was surprised. Like the first scene comes up with them at this uh, at this dinner, and I was like, "Oh, is that Helena Bonham Carter?" And again, I had seen this movie before. I had completely forgotten. I couldn't have told you. I will forget this again, probably that she is in this movie. Uh, reportedly, she did not like making this movie very much, and I think you can understand why, uh, because it's such a a, a non character that we even get so many scenes of her, of starting this affair with Peter Weller and everything. Like, it, this leads to nothing at all. Nothing. I don't know. Because Tim, Helena Bonham Carter is just, as you said, like, it's so weird to see her here because she's so, you're so used to seeing her play wacky, eccentric, mm -hmm. like, larger-than-life characters, often supporting roles, even. It's also weird that they campaigned her in Best Actress for this, for leading. They did? Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. That's that's weird. It's like <clears throat> yeah. surprising it's this didn't go they anywhere. They just like didn't care about her. So they just put her there and we're like, there you go. It it's, was weird. I don't know. It's it's weird. She is a weird character and, and their dynamic is really like when they when they get back together in the end, you never think, oh, well, they found happiness again in each other. You're just, oh, well, now they, they keep being unhappy together for the rest of their lives. I, I do want to uh, get back to uh, like one of the conceits of the film, which is the whole adoption angle. And again, if you if you think back on the the Woody Allen uh, real life allegations, which is all about Mia Farrow's adopted children, and then he makes this movie, which is all about adoption, where he is kind of the I, I don't want to say the hero, but he's like we see him being there for his son, and he says adoption is such a great thing, and so on and so on, and like with. Having in the back of our minds what was going on behind the scenes, I found this this whole choice really odd to 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 set the whole movie around this concept. I really wonder what went through his head when he decided to make the movie this way. 
I mean, I wonder when he wrote the script too. Like, I, I don't know how long he, like, the break is between him writing a yeah. script and that becoming a production. I, I feel like maybe it was before, but even then that was going on. Yes, yes so... it was. And <laughs> and I mean, for if anyone doesn't know, like, the, th the when, when, when this came out, that Woody Allen started having an affair with, okay, with Mia Farrow's adopted daughter who was pretty young. She was like almost 30 years younger than him. And he had an affair with her. And he, his argument always was, well, she's not my daughter. I'm not her stepfather. I'm not married to Mia Farrow. I didn't adopt her. She never saw me as a father. So that's why it's okay. Which you don't find many people who think, okay, then it's okay. Then we don't have a problem with that. And 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 like they, he took naked photographs of her and, and all that stuff, like all of that is going on. And I think it's really understandable that people got really upset by this idea that Woody Allen, the, the intellectual sweet guy, started an affair with like his partner's daughter. And then to have a movie about adoption and about children is so and odd. And the movie's well received and doesn't get backlash for that. No, like I haven't read anything about that. I hadn't even back then. I didn't even think about that. And I mean, then it just shows. I mean, it's so different than now. Like thirty years, twenty years ago, you have this going on, and nowadays this movie would have been canceled, right? It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be made. Wouldn't I be would made. argue no. And then, but like, then just... it was critically revered and Oscar winning. Yeah. Of course. And I mean, just to 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 keep on this track, like, as we said, like, he, he is meeting the Mirror Savino character. He's trying to teach her something. And but in a way, at some point, it feels as if he's treating her like his daughter. Right. He's giving her money. He wants her to find someone else and so on and so on. So even that dynamic is weird. And then they have sex. After all of this relationship is set up as if he's a father figure to her. And then they have sex. I was kind of shocked. And then, of course, also, just not to ignore that part, we also shouldn't forget that Mir Savino is a Harvey Weinstein survivor. Yeah. He, she was a victim of Harvey Weinstein, right? I mean, she's really one of those actresses who's gotten the, the worst of the worst. And, yes. and the fact that she's still strong is a miracle because she yeah. is so talented and got the worst end of everything. And I don't and know, I, it's sad. I mean, didn't didn't Weinstein kind of this is a Miramax production, right? I think Weinstein never produced a Woody Allen movie. Um, even if it's a Mir Miramax, uh can look it up. It is a Miramax production. Yeah, you're right. Or um there was some say in that, especially with yes. the Oscar. Yes. I mean, it just seemed he did that a lot though. I mean, he would wait like he would take a woman and get her an Oscar and then dump her. It was just yeah. like it was a cycle. It it was it was so horrible. It's it's and, amazing how some of those women have actually still managed to um, star in films, considering how much power he had. Yes, yeah, definitely. And, true. and there's the movie she said coming out about all of this soon, which I personally am very excited for. I think it looks really good. Um, but I mean, I mean, nowadays we have a movie being made about Harvey Weinstein scandals. Just 25 years ago, you have Mighty Aphrodite being made, which is produced by Harvey Weinstein, who even at the time wasn't seen as this innocent, successful person. P 
people wouldn't have been surprised knowing all of this and they and 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 they kind of did know what he was doing even at that time they just didn't want to speak up and you have Woody Allen allegations three years before a movie about mm-hmm. adoption and sex and prostitution and I mean it's just crazy that 25 years later instead of all of this bullshit we actually yes. have a movie coming out that's being made about a, the scandal and about the investigators who took it all down. I don't know. I think I think that's pretty insane. It is, yeah. I think all of this is insane. And I think it culminates in this movie more than in any of the other Woody Allen movies in the 90s because of Mira Sabina, because of its subject matter, uh, adoption and sex and so on and so on. The, Mira Sabina won an Oscar for this role in which she constantly talks about how she is mistreated by men, right? And abused. And it's kind of played as a, as a joke. That's what I'm saying. It is, of course, you can. it is funny in some way because... Ellen is good at writing these this dialogue, but if you think about what she's talking about, it's so horrible and it's so close to reality. And it's also, in a way, even if you, even if you, I don't know, you don't have to believe the abuse allegations against Woody Allen, but still, they were there already, and he still wrote this role this way. Right. The implication isn't the most morally <laughs> correct. I don't know That's though. A... I still, I still would have voted for her. I still think she deserved the Oscar. I, Again. I know weird and and it was interesting too because nowadays performances in movies that get one nomination like don't win even if they're like they start out strong like they don't win in the end because the movies aren't seen enough like she was up against Kate Winslet for Sense and Sensibility who won precursors and was in a movie that got so many Oscar nominations and lost that wouldn't yes. happen today no. so it's kind of amazing that she pulled <clears> this off especially with this kind of performance. Yes. And again, the performance is great. I, I would nothing say against Amir Savino in this movie. I think she's doing, like, she is the only reason or the main reason to watch this movie. All the other performances are mostly forgettable, especially, again, Helena Bonham Carter and Peter Weller. And I mean, again, Woody Allen is doing nothing special here. He's doing what he's always doing. And she is really, really good. Uh, yeah. And, and the movie was also nominated for screenplay for an Oscar, right? Which is really, really surprising, I think. He was nominated every time in the 90s. So. Not every time, but often enough. Yeah, but you're right. When it comes to than, that. It... More than he wasn't. Yes, um, that is that is true. Because the, this happens a lot where up until 15 years ago, most films in Best Picture were based on novels or plays. That's sort of fading now. And the adapted screenplay category would be filled with all the big contenders, and the original screenplay would have like one or two. And Academy members have notoriously always struggled filling out their original screenplay ballots. Yes. And Allen having all of these movies in the '90s, it was an easy checking the box in that sense. So I don't know how surprising it is there. Yeah. And I don't want to get sidetracked too much for awards because this is not what this podcast is about. But I still do want to point out that. Mighty Aphrodite as original screenplay was up against, I just want to point that out, was up against Nixon, Braveheart, Toy Story, and the winner, The Usual Suspects, which is an Mm. odd, odd lineup. It is an odd lineup. I mean, nowadays you wouldn't nominate Braveheart probably for screenplay, for example. God, no. Yeah, and even Nixon. Anyway, okay. But th- again, this brings us too, too far away from... from. I do want to point out though, something I thought about when we talk about Woody Allen. Um, And again, you can just say about Woody Allen whatever you like and about his movies. He did, did have an, a big influence and big impact. And I think the 90s are maybe one of his most interesting period because he became very experimental in the 90s. 
like his, his 70s and 80s movies were relatively similar with some exceptions. But uh, he, he like he started out with Shadows and Fog, which was really experimental and flopped. Uh, then he Bullets Over Broadway is not is nowadays what we seen as a really typical Woody Allen movie, but is maybe his first period piece, which then mm -hmm. he kept doing again and again and again. But he hadn't really done that in this way before. So he tried that out and it worked again. Mighty Aphrodite is experimental in a way because of the sexual content that he had not included before in, in this way, even if it's just in dialogue. Then he followed it up with Everyone Says I Love You, a musical. And then he he continued with Deconstructing Harry, which was is quite an unusual film and, and a much darker film than Woody Allen normally does in his comedies. I mean, I haven't rewatched it since it came out and I, I remember liking it back then. Uh, but I think those those this string of movies is quite interesting for Woody Allen. He really tried to branch out a little bit in in style and and genre uh, in the '90s, uh, which which makes it a little bit interesting. And then, like when the 2000s came around, I think he he kind of gave up and and did even though there were some experiments, like none of his movies had as much success, except maybe for Matchpoint and and Vicky Cristina Barcelona. But uh, I, I just uh, that that's something I I thought about when I watched his movie again, and I thought, oh well, at least. He was trying something, even if it's odd, but considering it's, everything that was going on. Still, even if you you can still clearly tell that this is a Woody Allen film. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Capital W, capital A. I just my dear, yeah, my dear Aphrodite is not his most experimental movie, not not at all. It's just like he it, it is an exception again when it comes to what the characters talk about and the the language they use. That is unusual compared to yeah. I would say almost all of his movies. For sure. Yeah, normally I would uh, look at the parents' guide and talk about like what what else is there, but <laughs> there's so little in the parents' guide because this movie has so little. And again, the parents' guide even omits a lot of things because again, it doesn't talk about the language as explicitly as it, as it could have been. It only mentions the f words, and it even says five f words are used, though in the context they are used, you barely notice them, which I found really odd because they talk about sex all the time and sex acts all the time, so it's not like you don't notice them. Um, right. but anyway, whoever wrote this parents' guide did not want to make this movie look very offensive or problematic at all. So you can, I don't know, you can decide if you want to show it to children. Uh, which brings me to my last section already, uh, because I think we discussed. Or is there before I move on? Is there anything else you you want to discuss? I I remember something now that I wanted to talk about. Well, maybe the Greek choir. Yes, because I don't know how necessary it is to the movie. I mean, I I get what he was. That was the experimental part. Yes. Yeah. But ultimately, it didn't really do anything. It was kind of the subconscious like idea in him, but it didn't really express that well enough for it to be carried out as an entire plot line or even like plot like trade. Yeah. It, it it's not necessary. It's I just mean, more fun. Yeah, I mean, consider that we've been talking about this movie for an hour and we haven't mentioned it at all. Yeah, and it is and a big part of the have movie. Anything to do with sex or violence or Mira Sorvino? Well, it does because the car is in the beginning. They talk about Oedipus and um, they they say like this, this foundational story about like the man falling in love with his mother and having sex with her and killing his father, which is, of course, I found, I mean, the movie doesn't go into that. But I mean, when we talk about sex and violence in movies and in stories, like there's no more foundational basic story than Oedipus, right? Having sex with your mother and killing your father. Like this is the origin of, of sex and violence in stories in a way more than anything else. Of course, the movie only uses it as a joke and says this is the beginning of psychoanalysis, um, mm -hmm. a typical Woody Allen joke. But th that's all I I, I, I thought was uh, interesting. And you see some of the Greek chorus uh, members making out in the end in, in the final montage. 
so there's a little bit of sex there too not, <laughs> no not no no any. again it's a blink and you miss it moment again yeah but you're right it's not necessary it's it's and of course the idea is that this whole plot is like a creek tragedy in a way mm -hmm. only then it isn't you know? it's obviously I'll... way less dramatic yeah i mean that's probably what woody allen is joking about like that it's set up like a creek tragedy and that's why they're warning him and then in the end nothing really happens and so mm. it's it's like um, as it often does in in Ellen movies. But yeah, okay, yeah. I think we discussed all the sexual and violent content in this movie, which again is not much. Uh, but uh, we we did discuss it. Okay, I have some final questions uh, for you uh, that I always ask uh, for every movie, even this one. Um, could you imagine this movie having a different rating? In a way, you answered this question already because yeah. you said it could be rated PG thirteen. I think it could be rated PG thirteen. I do. Okay, but the maybe, like, like, but, but technically no, because no. of like the specific rules by MPAA. But take out a couple of those f bombs. Maybe this the scene where they there's the lesbian porn on the TV. But it's I I would say it's PG thirteen in my eyes. Wouldn't you? I mean, if you ask me, of course, I think the MPA, yeah. again, as I said before, the way Mira Savina talks about sex acts and cum and like anal sex and all, she talks about all of that stuff. I think the MPA would not go with that and, and not give it an R rating. But um, what normally my question targets at, uh, uh, but it just found it funny because you in a way answered it already, but would be like, could you imagine the movie being less explicit in its language or more explicit? Would that change the movie? Could you imagine a movie that is more rated R? Or made in a way that is less rated R and would still work the same way? I think if it were less rated R, it would be pretty much the same. But if it were more rated R, it would definitely be more radical. It would probably include a sex scene between them or show the sex scene between them. Maybe more cursing would show more of the porn that she did. Longer. But it's really hard to imagine, know. right? Yeah. <laughs> in a Woody Allen movie. So I don't know. I don't I don't think so. And if you say all of that, I would imagine it definitely would probably be less funny. I mean, the whole yeah. humor comes from these mixture of innocence and sex, right? And if you make it more explicit, it's less innocent. So it probably would be less funny. I could see it being a little less rated R, though. Yeah, yeah. I think that, although, again, then, of course, the Woody Allen character would be less shocked, of course, by what she is talking about. Because mm. the fun is that she's so explicit and she says, and then had sex with 10 men here. And he's like, what? And like, if you if you cut that down, it would be less funny the way it is intended. Okay, finally, uh, I do have established or I'm trying to establish a kind of rating system uh, of our own for this movie. Um, so I have four categories and you have to give me a number on a scale from one to 10. So we talked about a lot of this already and I think I have an idea what this movie will end up with compared to all the other movies. How explicit would you say the sex and violence is in this movie on a scale from one to 10? Two. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. Three. It's re that... <laughs> At most, three. Yeah, I think two is really fair. Like you, Considering that you actually don't see anything except that one really, really short moment, it's really not that explicit. I mean, maybe it's more explicit than every kids movie or something, but still. Well, of course, but I don't know how many kids movies you're going to be talking about on this show. I don't know yet. No one has picked one yet. But then also, no one has had us picked a horror movie yet, which I find strange uh, for this podcast. Um, okay, how intense would you say the sex and violence in this movie is? 
zero. Yeah. I mean, I said one to ten, but I mean, this is really a zero. Like, there's nothing one, intense. One, then, if, if I have to answer, but... Yeah, I would go really for zero. zero. Okay, but um, yeah, I'm curious what you say here. How much would you say sex and violence, and maybe we can ignore the violence, how much is sex connected to the themes of the movie? Seven to eight? Uh-huh. Yeah, thematically, yeah. Thematically, it is about sex, right? Right. And and what she's doing and her job and, and what, how he deals with that. So so I think there is a connection, at least to the themes of the film. Mm. Like the whole Pygmalion aspect that you mentioned in the beginning, right, is connected to the fact that she is a prostitute, that she has sex for money and that he thinks mm. that's not something. I mean, again, we haven't talked about that, but the whole moral uh, perspective the movie has on prostitution is also like very, very, in a way, quite conservative because it's so clear that the most shocking thing anyone could imagine is that someone is a prostitute or a sex worker. It's true. Okay, and then finally, to turn it around, um, would you say, could this movie be recommended for children, uh, 10 being not recommended and 1 being recommended for children? How old is children? Well, that's <laughs> up to you. Maybe, like, what age do you think would be appropriate to watch this movie? Is that the question? In a way, it is. Well, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, maybe a 4... Like, yeah, I... if you're, like, 12 or 13, I think you could watch this movie, right? I would I would say you would you could watch this movie and actually laugh about some of the jokes. If you're younger, you would just miss a lot of it because you don't really understand what they're even talking about. But you wouldn't be... Right. I can't imagine that you would be disturbed by this movie, no matter how young you are. No. Because they just talk about stuff. And, and again, if you're too young, you probably just don't know what they're talking about. And it's not that explicit that you really could like be be shocked by any of it. Uh, so yeah, I would think this is a really, really tame and safe movie for anyone, even with the sexual content it has. Uh, which would give us a, a rating of 15, which is easily the lowest rating I have so far. Uh, but again, that is not surprising with this film. Uh, which does bring us uh, to the end, actually. Uh, we have discussed everything. Is there anything else you want to add? I don't know. I mean, it was a weird choice for sure because it's definitely the least of the movies you've discussed so far, right? Like by mm -hmm. far. Um, but just the term sex comedy, I think that brings things into perspectives. And and what does that term really mean if it even has a specific meaning or a few specific meanings? Because it's such a it, it's it's a term that's used in such a loose way mm -hmm. that you could call this a sex comedy you could call there's just such a variety there that maybe it is also important to talk about movies that aren't that don't even have a sex scene or don't even involve violence yes. because th th there's such a variety there's such a range there's no real consistency in that regard right no it's very it's very open-ended Again, that's why I like your choice, because it's not an obvious one, but it's still, that doesn't mean there's nothing to discuss, right? And no sexual or violent content to, to to talk about. And I think you're right what you said in the beginning. I would never call this a sex comedy, because a sex comedy should be more explicit about the actual sex in a way. Hmm. And and it, it just isn't. Another movie that people forget about Woody Allen is his A Midsummer's Night's Sex Comedy, which actually has sex comedy in its title. Maybe the only movie that has sex comedy in its title. And even that is not an explicit movie in any way. For Woody Allen, this probably is one of his most uh, sexual movies in a way. But even then, sex comedy, I think, is not the, the subgenre I would put this movie in. Whatever we think of it. Okay. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we stop? Not really. 
I'm on Twitter, Sam the Parasite, letter Instagram and Letterbox Sam Meltzer. Okay, I'll or not. Who cares? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll put your uh your tags in the show note anyway, uh, and so that people can follow if you want to. Thank you for uh, for joining me in this discussion. I I, I still think this was was very interesting. And uh, yeah, again, thanks for your choice. Thanks for the discussion. And that ends our discussion of Woody Allen's Mighty Aphrodite. Uh, And as uh, this time, I don't have to edit this in, but I can say now that next week we are going to discuss Totsalon's happiness. Really curious about that one. So uh, join us next week when we discuss this really, really, really controversial movie. And so then I kicked around from Chicago, Philadelphia, you know, all over the place, and I ended up here. But Bian, you never thought of just getting a regular job. Well, yeah, sure I did. No, I did things. I I waited on tables. I worked in a massage parlor. I did phone sex. Now and then, I would, you know, turn a few tricks in order to make some dough. And one day, my friend Susie calls me, and she asked me if I want to be in a film, something called Snatch Happy. And I said, sure. And I remember, I was very nervous because I'd never done it in front of people with a camera before, you know? And so there I am on the first day on the set, and... There's this guy fucking me from behind, right? And there's these two huge guys dressed like cops in my mouth at the same time. And I remember thinking to myself, I like acting. I want to study.